0: Previously on Funny Science Fiction. So I wasn't sure whether to still send it to him because it was the thought that counts or just skip it because... (laughs) (laughs) Hi, I'm Jim Beard and this is the Funny Science Fiction Podcast.
1: The podcast that makes the show Firefly seem long and drawn out. Our guest today is an author that I had the good fortune of meeting at uh, the Monroe Pop Fest this year in 2021. Now That's a smaller Comic-Con just outside of Detroit, Michigan. Now, uh, Jim, and to steal some of his own words, is an author who puts words in the mouths of characters such as Fox Mulder, Luke Skywalker, Peter Venkman, Spider-Man, Superman, and a few others. Now, we're really happy to have Jim Beard here uh, with us today on Funny Science Fiction. Welcome to the show, Jim.
0: Hey, thanks a lot. I, I you know, I got to tell you right here at the outset, I feel, I feel an immense pressure uh, to be funny <laughs> on this show. And, and okay. I just, I, I, yeah, I, I don't know if I can do it, but I'm gonna, I'll am gonna, i give it a try. Well, sometimes
1: what? it's, it's the missing the mark on funny that can be funny. So either way, we're going to laugh.
0: <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> so unfunny that he's funny. Exactly. See, you're already
1: nailing it. You're doing I great. I see.
0: Wow. That's, I, it's a. It's a concept that I have to really kind of I have to think about that. <laughs> I mean,
2: that's kind of why movies like Dumb and Dumber exist, because like they took the absolute dumb and just made it funny.
0: Right, right. Well, it's like so bad that it's good, right? We yeah. All, have all those you know movies and absolutely and TV shows. That, hey, I want to make one correction to you, and you you don't know. And people fall into this trap that I have. Sure. I, I call myself a writer, not not an author
1: okay what's the difference
0: <laughs> I was <gonna>
2: move right <laughs>
1: <along>. <laughs> before we get into our any our regular yeah, scheduling
0: programming here you know and, and this is just it's pretty much just me it um an author is like a higher level of of being <laughs> you know i i consider myself a writer because i've um like i'm in the trenches and i'm i'm working at it an author is one of those people that you know maybe puts out a book a year and uh, every one of their titles has a novel after it <laughs> <laughs> okay you know they do, right. they do a lot of like wine and cheese you know signings you know they're not actually signing the wine and cheese but I think you get my point. Here. All right. So you're yeah. a writer. A, a writer writes. A writer works. You know, um, uh, I consider myself a pulp writer. And those, okay. you know, those, the original pulp writers were, you know, they they work for, for a living on it. But that's just me. It's just one of those little, little bugaboos that I have. I'm okay with that. All right. That's fine. Okay. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> now if everybody hasn't switched off after that and said like, wow what a prima donna like i don't know if i want to nah
1: yeah, no okay, no we're good right. No, we're good so jim you have your hands in a lot of the the sci-fi universes that we all know we all love um and you're but to be able to write for those universes there has to be a base for you to be able to draw from You you know you can't you can't fill from an empty tank So growing up, what were your favorite forms of science fiction that helped you foster a love for sci-fi and help you to become the writer that we have in front of us today?
0: You know, just about everything, Uh, you know, I'm thinking back as a kid and and there was there wasn't as much as, uh, you know, around as it today. But I was I was pretty much a sponge and I was soaking up pretty much everything when I was a kid. Um, there were times where I hit something that maybe was kind of literate that, that you know, maybe didn't uh, you know, catch or hold my interest or whatever. But you know, I, I was watching if there was science fiction on TV, I was watching it, you know, movies, uh, books, comics, y- you name it. Uh, I, I, lo- I loved it all, and for many, many years, that's pretty much all that I ever read. Uh, was science fiction until I started to find out that there there was actually other genres out there uh (laughs) in in books but um you know I think about I think about that a lot to today um it's like all the bad superhero shows that we watched in, in the in the early 70s and and people might look back and say like how could you have watched the the first spider-man tv show it's so bad and it's like so campy. we were were (laughs) starved though at that time you know we didn't have three or four marvel movies a year sure uh we didn't have how many uh you know we didn't have all the cw shows we didn't have the disney plus marvel shows you know we were starved for all that stuff we we watched what we were given and and you know absorbed it and and processed it and and then you know what maybe years later we look back and said oh my god like i can't believe i i watched that but <laughs> sometimes those are badges of badges of honor you know like i watched wizards and warriors you know first mm-hmm. run <laughs> you know i i sat and watched you know battlestar galactica the the night it premiered uh even though it was interrupted because it was something to do with uh i think it was well, whoever the president was at that time, there was some kind of funny thing going on. And, and I had to sit there and fume through the, through the delay until, you know, like it came back. You know, they broke away from the news alert and, and went back to the, the pilot.
1: You know, I, I think there's something to be said, though, for those old shows and, and the, the campiness of the shows. And, you know, because like we had uh, Bert Ward on on some time back. Wow. Yeah, we had we had an opportunity to sit down with him and talk with him not only about what he's doing now in, in animal rescue, but also mm-hmm. about, you know, Batman from the 60s and and the campiness of the show. And even though it was so campy and there was the, you know, the pow, the biffs, the zams and, you know, all those kind of things, um, you know, even today, that's an enjoyable show to go back and watch because it's like we talked about, you know, in what we were kind of talking about, even, you know, uh, off camera and and now is that the, you know uh sometimes so some things are so silly or even so bad that they're still good yeah and i think and i think that's uh purely the case with with batman is that there are times when it was just so ridiculously silly <laughs> that you're like wow really guys uh but you know but it was still good to it was still fun to watch because it was it was superheroes
0: sure mm-hmm the the batman tv show uh, the 66 batman tv show is my most favorite television show of all time that's Excellent. that that show pretty much made me who i am today and in fact i'm in the middle of putting out a series of books about the show we've done season 1 and season 2 and and we're working on season 3 right right now oh fantastic so nice oh. um that that show is beautiful because it it works on many different levels. And back then, and and still actually now, but back then it was one of the reasons it was a success was because children and adults could sit and watch it together and both get something different from it. Yes, you know the kids were watching it and it was serious. You know, mm-hmm. uh, comic book writer Mark Wade told me he. You know, he'd sat there and watched uh, Robin getting eaten by a giant clam, and he was he was seriously worried that ne- you know the next episode Robin was not going to be in it because he was be dead, right? <laughs> you know, and then but but a parent could be sitting alongside of them chuckling, and because they're getting all of the the satire and the parody, you know, and, and the and the fun um, and. I was that way, you know. I thought it was a serious show when I was a kid. Uh, I remember the first time someone around me made fun of the fight scenes about how fake they looked, and and I actually literally said to them, "What are you talking about? I think they're they're really punching each other. You know what? Do you, it looks so real. What are you talking about?" Um, it's it's an incredible show. Mm-hmm. Uh, it burned bright for a very short time, and then it was gone. You know, it's one of these little finite things, and and I just love it. You know, I will always love it, and uh, I'm a huge champion of, of the show. Uh, it's an important moment in, in the history of the character of Batman.
2: I agree wholeheartedly. Yeah, definitely. And scrolling through your Twitter, I saw a lot of homage to, like, the 1950s sci-fi or even a little bit after that but like yeah. the 1950s is really when sci-fi really begin began getting popular. Oh so, yeah, yeah. So like yeah. what aspect of 50s sci-fi just calls out to you and is just kind of your resounding board? You you know what I love about
0: 50s science fiction? It it, it has the highest of highs and some of the lowest of lows. Like you, like it's it's an it's amazing that um, you know, Forbidden Planet and The Day the Earth Stood Still, which are two of my most favorite science fiction movies of all time, Excellent. You know, could could be in the same decade as I, I'm. I'm trying to think of <laughs> something. You know, them or, mm-hmm. or, or 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 something like that. Um, you know, um, The Thing from Another World is just an amazing movie. Uh, uh, and you know that ensemble cast in that is is just incredible. Um, the other thing that I found out, and I suddenly realized somewhat more recently, is what I tend to really gravitate more towards is is British. There's some really great fifties uh, and early sixties British uh, science fiction, and and sometimes fantasy, or you know, or horror. That that really stands out to me as being incredible quality stuff. Um, Village of the Damned. It, I was for some reason I was thinking of that movie earlier today, and the, just the entire feeling that that uh, it's infused with is is just amazing.
1: Yeah. I so quick question for you. Mm. So since you said that uh, the Day the Earth Stood Still is one of your favorite movies of all time, yeah. What's your take on the Keanu Reeves remake? Uh never seen it.
0: <laughs> Fair enough. Okay. You know what I have? Yeah. I have no desire when, when you have a movie like the original day, the earth stood still, I'm of the opinion that, that I, I don't really need to see anybody else do that. You know, nobody can say the word obliteration like Michael Rennie, <laughs> you know, and no one needs to try. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, I get that. Yeah. And, and you know, I like seeing the work that goes into the original movies at a time where they didn't have the computer effects. Sure. To to really shore them up, you know, it's really fascinating to watch the physical uh, effects uh, or or early um, animation of of effects. You know, I'm thinking of mm-hmm. Forbidden Planet as, a, as you know, they go to Disney to actually do the id monster, you know, um, and it's incredible to watch. Um that Forbidden Planet is so amazing because its effects still hold up really well to this day. And it has one of the most amazing backstories. The, you know, the 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 story of the krell is is it's huge, and mm-hmm. we only get a tiny glimpse of some of the things and we're told a little bit about what they you know achieved and what they did. And just the just that whole sense of it that that movie conveys is is really amazing. You know to this day, it almost gives me chills every time I watch it.
1: Mm-hmm. okay well i can i can understand your point too about not maybe wanting to watch a remake of your favorite movie that'd be it would be very hard for me to sit down and watch somebody's else's take on empire strikes back uh, yeah that's, that's yeah, my there, all-time favorite movie there's, so
0: there's very few science fiction movies that i want to see a modern remake and there but there's one that stands out that really needs to be remade and it needs to be remade uh closer to the book and that's logan's run Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. I liked Logan's Run when I saw it in the theater back <laughs> in the day and when I've watched it more recently, I realize how bad it is. <laughs> uh it's it's really it's kind of um it's it's kind of junky looking. It's not, you know, like the sets aren't really that great. The acting is, is fairly poor in it. Um, if you've ever read the original novel, uh, the original novel is fairly different, and it that's one movie that I can't believe that they have not remade it, you know, to this point. I think that there were and there were attempts to do it, but to this day it still hasn't been done, and 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 I just don't get it. But you know what, foundation for the, for the very first time is, is finally, you know, on, on film, you know, finally going to be on TV or, you know, film. Yeah. That's film on Apple plus film. now.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I, I, uh, just noticed that I haven't started watching it yet, but that's, um, I'm finishing up one series probably tonight and then I'll jump into the foundation. Cause that looks really cool. Cool. So, cool. So we've talked with a couple of other, uh, Writers who uh write about characters, man. You're you're learning. (laughs) I try. He can be taught. (laughs) (laughs) Let's not push it. Uh, (laughs) okay. But we've talked with a couple of other writers who have written about characters and already confirmed universes with backstories and plot lines that are existing. Yeah. Um here's a question I've asked them, and I and I'm kind of curious about your take on this. Okay. Now, when you're writing for characters like you know, Superman and Fox Mulder and, you know, all these guys that already have stories out there that you have to, you know, that in these storylines that, that affect how people look at them or perceive them. Yeah. Do you find that to make it harder or easier for you to write?
0: Does it enhance your creativity or limit it? That's a really great question. And, and I'm sure you've probably gotten different answers from, from different writers. I actually, it, it, you know what, it is more of a challenge or, or it it has more challenges involved. Um, I'm I'm of the opinion that when you write a licensed character, you know, a character that's not your own, that that has been around for a while, you mm-hmm. you can't go into it thinking that you're going to make it your own. Right. That's not the way to do it, in my opinion. Unless you have been writing it for years and years and years. Um, that character is, is not only owned by the license holder, it's actually owned by the fans in in a way. Yeah. Um, you know, you have a duty to be true to the character. And in many ways, if it's something from film or television, you have a duty to be true to the actors that played that character. Um, you know every time i write one i have to hear that actor in my head <laughs> saying my dialogue or or it just doesn't work right you know um i just came out with a, a green hornet novel ooh see see how good i am look i got visual i got visual aids here, look, here.
1: this is the best game of show and tell we've ever played
0: <laughs> and, That's awesome. and you know what i didn't sit there and and say you know what I'm going to make the green Hornet uh, an alien from outer space. And he's only posing as a human criminal, you know, or anything like that at all. That's, that's not, that's not the way to do it. And chances are, you're just going to run up against the license holders anyways. You know, why, why do that? There's ways to put yourself into the project, but, but trying to, fiddle with the character that everybody knows and loves is not the way to do it you're going to get a lot of satisfaction from the first person who comes to you and says hey you know what that was like that was like a you know like a such and such movie that that has never been made um i wrote a, an extreme ghostbusters comic book and one of the greatest things that happened was that we had people coming up to us saying My God, that was like an episode from the show. That was just—it was like an episode that they had never filmed. And you know what? You you couldn't give me a a higher compliment than that. That's awesome. That means that I did my job. That means that uh, that the characters are in line with the way they should be, and it—you know—it was enjoyable to the fans who have followed those characters.
1: So now I have a question for you. This just popped in my head because of you mentioning that you hear their the characters' voices in your head. Yeah. So for the Green Hornet, did you hear Van Williams or Seth Rogen?
0: <laughs> I actually saw the <laughs> Seth Rogen movie, but no, definitely Van, definitely Van Williams. It's, it's completely based on the Van Williams. You know, I heard Bruce Lee and I heard Van nice. Williams Excellent. and I heard Wendy Wagner, you know, uh, and I can't think of the name of the guy that plays D.A. Scanlon, but that's okay. Um no uh, you know I the only reason I saw the Seth Rogan movie is that at that time I was writing for a local newspaper and I was uh doing uh, some movie reviews now and then and I got to I got to go to that for free and after I was done I was glad that I didn't have to pay for it <laughs> I was say you, know, you uh you this, were
1: fortunate for free okay
0: it's not so. a it's not a complete. Waste the guy that played Cato w- was actually,
1: yeah, Jay Chow. Good, yeah, yeah. he good actually
0: actor. tried to, to do something and he actually walks away from that movie looking, you know, pretty, pretty good. Mm-hmm. It's just, but to this day, I I still am not sure what, why, who sat down and said, you know, let's try to make it funny. Like, n- I no, think Seth Rogen
1: know? said, let's make it funny. Okay, so. well.
0: Seth Rogen's to to blame, you know, and, and, and then here we are, you know, still making fun
2: of that movie. So the one thing about writing is it's quite the process. I mean, Mm -hmm. you've got pre writing stuff you're doing, writing stuff and even stuff after you write. So which aspect about the writing process do you enjoy the most? Uh, Being done. (laughs) Completion. Uh, yeah,
0: I um, I I I gotta tell you, I I writing does not come easy to me. Um, the, the The worst part is starting. A lot of people struggle with finishing, but I'm looking so forward to being done that I move myself to the finish line. You know, uh, as I'm writing, I'm thinking about the finished book and how nice it'll be that I can put it on my Amazon page and you know, and I can right. get reviews and I can sell it on a you know, I'm off my tables at, at shows. Um, the The writing process, I'm not, I'm not in love with with the writing process. Um, I I really love coming up with plots and characters. Um, I've always considered myself an idea person, but when it comes to the nuts and bolts, that's like pulling teeth most times. You know, it's it's that staring at that blank screen and writing those first words. But if I can get past that first sentence, that first paragraph, maybe even that first page, and it starts to flow, then then I'm okay. And, and I, you know, and I'll make sure that I write every single day until the, the thing is done. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, I know some people really, really enjoy the actual typing the words and laying, you know, laying it out. And, and that's not me. It's, it's the, it's before the, the first words go into the, into the word document. And then it's, it's after it's, Done those are the things that I look forward to, <laughs> not necessarily the 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 middle part. Right.
1: Okay. Because I know some people who who will start writing and they'll 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 get past that first, like you said, that first sentence, the first paragraph, the first page, and they get yeah. going and they have like you know they have their their outline there and this is how the book you know how they see the book going and yeah. and they get into the book and all of a sudden they change they want to make a change. And right. how, how often does that actually happen where you're getting into the book, you've got a plot line in your head and you get to the point where the plot line needs to start really setting in and yeah. you go,
0: you know what? I, I, that's not what I want to do. It does. It does happen. And I got to tell you when that happens to me, it's usually the characters stop me and tell me that they want to do something different. There's no other way for me to describe it. And I know what I just said about not much, not really enjoying that middle part. But there is there is some magic that happens at that moment when a character literally stops you, grabs you by the collar and, sh- you know, shakes, <laughs> gives you the shake, <laughs> shake, slap, slap thing. And says, I don't want to go that way. I want to go this way. And that has happened to me several times over the years. And it almost always has turned out to be the better choice than what I had planned. Other than that, I I usually stick to my general outline. Things things can change. Um, uh, A chapter might start to get too long. So I'll bring it to a close at a point where I didn't necessarily plan on it. Uh, I've added in scenes in between scenes and, you know, that's the kind of stuff that comes out of just being, you know, hip deep in, into a plot. Um, but you know, yeah, it, it does happen. And, and there, there is a certain m- magic in that because that means that your characters are starting to come alive. You know, they, they've taken root in your head and they're actually talking and walking and doing things separate from your own, you know, id, <laughs> as it were. Uh, and, and saying it's magical is really the only way I can describe it. No, it makes sense. I get mm-hmm.
1: that. Okay. So, you know, Jim, a lot of times when we, you know, because we are in such a, um, a visual world now. Um, you know, almost everything in this world is visual. We have our phones are have bigger getting bigger and bigger screens, tablets and computers and all these things. Uh and so because of that, um many of the movies, the TV shows, even the comics are are, you know, uh on phones and and tablets nowadays. Uh but you know, comics, video games, all these things have what we like to call Easter eggs in them. Yeah. Uh, Uh you know, something for the the viewer to to find and 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 be excited about. I would suppose that it's a lot harder to, to have an Easter egg inside of a non-visual medium, but do you ever hide any secrets or Easter eggs in your book? Oh, so, hoping that absolutely. people will find them
0: in almost every single thing I've written. There is something, and sometimes it might be so subtle that no one will ever, ever catch it. And, but I know that it's there to, you know, maybe things that are a little bit more obvious. No, I, I love doing stuff like that. And, and, uh, it, it, it is possible to put it into you know a prose novel um, uh, and uh, and if someone's not if someone's not reading it carefully yeah they 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 could miss it one of the one of one of the ones that I had the most fun with it it didn't happen it, it I tried to make it happen um I was writing uh, a Spider-Man novel uh, about five years ago. Um, And around that same time, I was also uh, working on my Kolchak novel. And they're both the stories are set in New York City. So you have two different licenses, two different publishers, companies, everything. And I tried to put in a crossover
1: oh that'd be cool
0: between them (laughs) and unfortunately the the spider-man novel was so heavily edited by all different parties there was too many fingers in that one Ah. that they kept trimming things and trimming this and trimming that and the 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 kolchak part of the spider-man novel got cut but it's funny because I think it's yeah in the Kolchak novel the Spider-Man part is still in there. Oh, that's
1: fantastic!
0: <laughs> so um, it was. It was. Oh, they were the characters were all at the little park that's right next to the Flatiron Building, and I it's terrible. I can't think of the name of the part. I love the Flatiron Building mm-hmm. in New York City. There's a little park there, and there's you know tables, and you can sit there and you know on your lunch break and I had Kolchak there, and he looks over at one point and sees a young guy and a redheaded girl at a table, and he thinks this or that about him. I can't remember exactly how that goes. Well, that's Peter Parker and Mary Jane. In the, in the Spider-Man novel, it was that Peter was looking around while Mary Jane was talking, and he sees Kolchak, and he thinks something like, it was something like, my God, who who today would wear a seersucker suit? You know, something like, something like that, you know? And unfortunately, that that one whole scene with him and Mary Jane in the park, so much of that was was trimmed. They kept saying, ah, it's that's extraneous, that's extraneous. So it was it was the crossover that that never happened. But that's that's the kind of funny thing. Now I'm never mentioning the characters' names in the other books, so I'm not gonna get in trouble, you know, right. that way. But it was just a fun little thing. But if it had gone off, um, you would have had to have read both books. And, and then even then, maybe you wouldn't have realized, you know, exactly what was going on. That's going cool. On there.
1: Yeah, because I was wondering how that could actually happen. Because I was thinking about that today. I was like, because, um, you know, I was watching something and I noticed a little Easter egg again, and I was like, ooh. Um here, here's
0: a here's a good one. I have a, a, I have a, a ghost hunter character named Sergeant Janice, and in the very first Sergeant Janice uh, book, um, there's a police officer who has to go and investigate something that's going on at a house. And th- this is great because this is just. I think it was to yesterday or the day before was Godzilla Day. It was the anniversary of the release of the very first Godzilla movie. So I put in a thing where the the address of the house that he has to go to is uh 11 I think let's say 11454 Tokyo Street. So it was November 4th 1954 in Tokyo. That's that's the kind of thing that I really enjoyed, you know, doing That's cool. that, that the you know the house number was the date of of the release of Godzilla. And it was on Tokyo street.
1: Nice. Oh, that's cool. That's a neat little Easter egg.
0: Yeah. It was uh, November 3rd, November 3rd. Okay.
2: Right. I th- it was, it was uh, yesterday. So our Facebook group has a bunch of, uh, memes and it's like this universe crossed over with this universe. And yeah. that's where the funny comes in. And, So which two characters that you have written would you like to see either come together, work together, or to become Nemesis?
0: Oh, Wow. You know, um, uh, the publisher of my Green Hornet and my Cold Shack book is Moonstone, and they they already did the Cold Shack Green Hornet crossover story so somebody already already beat me to it you know it's funny I've written Ghostbusters I think it would be really fun for Kolchak to meet the Ghostbusters Mm -hmm. I think that would you know uh be really really fun um I'm trying to think of something else along those lines um you know what? I, wouldn't it be great to, to finally be able to do the X-Files Kolchak crossover? You know, the, Chris Carter uh, uh, created the X-Files in large part because of his love of Kolchak. Okay. Uh, and that would be incredible. And they tried to do that in the show. The, Derek McGavin is actually in two episodes, but he refused to play Kolchak. So that, that Kolchak, uh, Fox Mulder and Dana Scully crossover, you know, never, never really happened. That would be fun to finally, finally be able to, to do that. Okay.
1: Cool. Well, Jim, we're at a portion of our show where we like to take our guests and run them through a quiz. Okay. You mean a meat grinder? Or, or something along those lines. Yeah.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: All right, so this all right, I'm ready. All right, so I, I chose this quiz today because of your Gotham uh book series.
0: Okay, good. Um,
1: so uh I thought, oh, wow, what could be more fun than a Batman quiz? So we're gonna do a Uh-oh. Batman Uh-oh. quiz.
0: Uh-oh. I hope I, I hope I get this right. Well, I so here's here's
1: it. here's the good news. There's five all questions, right. they're all multiple choice.
0: Okay, okay.
1: Jeez. Uh, now if you get three of the questions, correct, we want to send you one of these handy dandy. I gave to the red shirt widows and orphans fund coffee mugs.
0: Okay. Okay. There's
1: prizes. Yeah, there's prizes. Exactly. And if you get, uh, four questions, correct, we're going to send you that coffee mug along with the book that Nick's about to hold up. There he goes. Come on, quick, quick, quick. There he is. It's called <laughs> okay. Dances with Aliens. This is uh the newest book by by Drayton Allen. It's about a, uh the last man on earth who's actually a dog, but not a dog that goes woof, a, a singing dancing dog of the cartoon theme park variety. And so okay. and it's all about uh a, a guy who's uh in this park, but uh wonders how they can all go to all these distances and travel, but not recognize a guy in a dog suit. So, okay. <laughs> uh, now that's, if you get four, we'll send you the book and we'll send okay. you the coffee mug. All right. However, if you School get less, high. yeah, if you get less <laughs> than three, so anything less than three, we uh-huh. take a, we take a picture of you. We make a meme out of you and we put you into our Facebook group. Are you okay with that? <laughs> sure. All right. Okay. We, we call it our fun. I've, sequ- always,
0: I've always wanted to be a meme. <laughs> there
1: you go. We call it our fun sequence. <laughs>
2: okay. All right, Nick, take us away on the quiz. Which supervillain broke Batman's back? Was Bane. it? All right. <laughs> Sorry. No, it's
0: oh, multiple choice. Yeah. Multiple All questions. Right, we don't need no cool stinking multiple was, questions.
1: <laughs> All right. So, yeah. So he's one for one. It was definitely Bane. All right. Question two The original Batgirl was related to what other character? Was it Commissioner Gordon? was it batwoman or was it alfred
0: barbara gordon related to commissioner gordon father and daughter
1: actually no that was the second iteration the original was the niece of uh oh, of okay. batwoman
0: i i didn't understand you you did you did say the original yep you're right wow all right so one and one yeah, I, that's me not listening. That I would have known that. Yeah, if, if you said the bad girl with the hyphen in, in the in between bad and girl then yeah. Can, yeah, okay. What? Betty Kane. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Damn.
2: <laughs> All right, I got to start paying more attention here. All right. What Batman villain was formerly a zoologist? Was it Manbat, Killer Croc, or the Penguin? A zoologist.
0: Wow, that, huh? It's it's not the Penguin, and you know what? Unless they, this is something that they've done, more, you know, in more recent years. Um, Kirk Langstrom was a scientist, but I don't think he was ever called a zoologist and killer croc you know what's funny is i don't know i don't know a whole lot more about his backstory wow okay guys I, I killer croc seems too dumb to be <laughs> any, any sort of I you know what i'm gonna say man bat in and maybe that maybe at some point they said he was a zoologist so you are shoot correct. me down
2: you right. correct. You're correct. Oh, I, okay. Yeah.
0: That's interesting. Yeah. Very he, interesting. Yeah. He was,
1: right. uh, uh, let's see. I can't remember exactly when it was released that he was a, a, a zoologist, but yeah, it was. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Because so. in, his, in his initial uh, appearances, I don't think that that said, he's working on a, like a sonar type of thing. And right. And he takes blood from the bats and. And, and all of that. But uh, okay, interesting.
1: Yeah, I'm trying to look real quick. And I
2: think it was in... Uh, that's just about his introduction in the Detective uh, Comics. It was in so the Batman animated series. He was a zoologist.
0: Ah, that's... okay. So there See? it goes. All right. There was a trick question.
2: Yes. <laughs> Maybe. All right. So
1: question four. <laughs> all right. So we're one and two. All no, right. no, no, you're two and one. Two so you, and one. Two, two and one. one. Yeah. Two and one. Let's not take it away from you. You're two and one. Uh, right, right. All right. So, question four Professor Jonathan Crane is also known by what other name? Hugo? Scarecrow. Sh- Scarecrow. <laughs> All right. Well, with that answer, that wins you this handy dandy coffee mug. Well, not this one. We'll give you one that my lips have. Oh, okay. Done, but... All right. <laughs>
2: one that doesn't have your DNA on. Exactly. It. Yeah sample free there you go <laughs> who is credited with the creation of Batwoman Bob Kane Joe Schuster or Jack Kirby
0: the, li- literally the Kathy Kane Batwoman right let's let's make sure we have our turn ter- the terms original yeah. well it it would have to be Bob Kane
1: correct you are correct
0: okay yeah yeah it's not joe schuster or jack kirby <laughs> they created everything else
1: so yeah so we will make sure that we get you a a, a copy of that book and we'll send you a a, a coffee mug as well
0: and i would you know i, I want to reiterate
2: i would have gotten that other one had i've been paying attention <laughs> <laughs> well that's what makes it fun yeah yes well, Jim, thank you so much for being on the show today. Where can our listeners go to find out more about you and what you're doing now?
0: Um, well, first and foremost, uh, hit hit my Amazon page. Uh, you can go to Amazon under Books and just put my name in, and my uh, my page should come up, and you'll see everything. Everything there except for the two Moonstone books. Moonstone is is doesn't have their books uh, on on Amazon. So if you go to Moonstone, you know. Uh, I think it's moonstonebooks.com. You'll see my Green Hornet uh, novel and my Kolchak novella. And everything else is on Amazon. Uh, If you want to visit me on Facebook, go to my fan page, which is called The Beard, the Jim Beard fan page. And uh, I'm on uh, Twitter, at writer Jim Beard, all
2: one word. Nice. And would you like to plug any of your books at this moment or... Um well um the the yeah the the two
0: Batman books are Zlonk Zak Zawi, the Subterranean Blue Grotto Essays on Batman Sixty Six Season One, and then even newer is Biff Bam Eow, the Subterranean Blue Grotto Essays on Batman Sixty Six Season Two. We are hard at work now on season three, and that should be out uh by the spring next year and I have to think of the title of that one. I have to cheat and look at the last page. Uh, Oof, boff, splat is the, <laughs> the third one. <laughs> uh, the, the Green Hornet no- uh, novel is called How Sweet the Sting, and it is based on the 66 uh, Van Williams-Bruce Lee uh, Green Hornet show. And then I'm th- my newest book that I just came out with is book two of um, – if anybody out there is a fan of uh, G.I. Joe Adventure Team, they may kind of get a vibe uh, of of that from my books that are called DC Jones and Adventure Command International. Uh, this actually started as uh, actual G.I. Joe Adventure Team fiction. There used to be a thing on Amazon called Kindle Worlds, mm-hmm. which was a platform that, that uh, writers could write uh licenses they you know they could write actual um stories within di- different licenses and there the gi joe license was up there and i was the very first one to actually write adventure team everybody else was writing real american hero <laughs> and, nice. I, and so when that went down we all owned our stories but we didn't own the license of course So for a couple of years, this stuff just sat around and I got sick of it sitting around. So I made my own version of it. And then I just came out with with book two. And and so it's literally D.C. Jones book one and D.C. Jones book two. And as you can see, the covers look like the toy packages from. Oh, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. And so book book three will be uh, next year.
1: All right. Very good. Excellent. Well, guys, if you haven't yet hit that subscribe button, take a moment now. Hit that subscribe button. It's the most important thing you can do to ensure that we get more amazing guests like Jim Beard here today for and give us funny moments for us to be able to continue to listen to. So please subscribe. It helps out way more than we can ever really tell you. And be sure to go check out Jim Beard's work as well. Go buy some books on Amazon. He's a good writer, and uh, you know we can always always want to support uh, good writers. Now, Thank for you. whatever reason. If you're not happy with the content of our show today, uh, please feel free to lodge a complaint with the head of our complaint department, the Riddler. (laughs) Now, single copies are only required for Edward Nygma. And sure, it'll take a while for us to decipher and decode the punishment that Nygma has in store for us. But you can be sure that the Riddler will take great pleasure in exacting the revenge for our lack of talent and in the ways that our show offended you. So
0: (laughs) yay for us.
2: Well, thanks again, Jim.
0: Hey, thank you guys. It was very fun and All right. funny. All right. Thanks,
1: everybody.
2: Thanks for watching. Go subscribe. Bye. Our show is brought to you by our charity sponsor, the Redshirt Widows and Orphans Fund, which supports the Wish Upon a Teen Foundation that helps out sick kids when they need it most. And just imagine the comfort you'll give Redshirt Crewman number 99. He'll know that when he puts on the red shirt and joins the apes from Planet of the Apes and world domination, that he didn't leave his family destitute and without hope, because the red shirt, widows, and orphans fund has his back, and the rest of his pension plan.
0: And speaking of sponsors and show partners, check out this short video from our good friends over at Level Up Lightsabers. information about Level Up Lightsabers and their online training sessions can be found in the episode description below.
1: On behalf of the rest of the hosts of Funny Science Fiction, we'd like to thank you for listening to this episode. If you'd like to be a guest on one of our future episodes, please contact us by means of our Facebook group, Funny Science Fiction. You can find us on Twitter or Instagram using the handle at Funny Sci-Fi, or you can go to DraytonAllen.com and click the Contact Me link at the bottom of the page. Thanks again. Hope you enjoyed the episode.
2: Copyright 2020 by Drayton Allen. Virtual music by
1: Jordan Michaels. Reference to any specific product or entity mentioned in this podcast does not constitute an endorsement or recommendation of or by Funny Science Fiction or its sponsors. The views expressed by guests are their own, and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent.
0: If you have questions about this disclaimer, please contact us via email at draytonallen at draytonallen.com.